I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, a Savior has been born for you, who is Christ and Lord. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Can there be any doubt that human beings were made to worship? It either becomes our highest calling or, in some cases, our lowest shame. Whether it be thousands of years ago, Moses leading the people of God into the desert of Sinai, and he was on the mountain for a while, long enough that all of the people who had witnessed the miraculous exodus pulled all their gold together to fashion a golden calf so they would have a familiar image of a god to worship. Or even in modern times, whether it be a rock star or an, a, a, an athlete. And when, when people are awed in their presence, what do they do almost instinctively? Bowing and saying, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. What is it about the human being that was made to worship? After many days and many, many hours of great confessions, it's obvious that human beings were made to seek happiness, that's for sure. We seek it in, in what we can buy or what we can do or in being loved by people. Not everyone has the means to do that. Everyone, though, has the means to seek happiness in their idols, though. And the idol might be a thing, might be an image, might be people. Somehow we think that by, by adoring and worshiping this idol, we, somehow its, its glory rubs off on us. It might be the image of, of someone. That idol could even be the American flag. Or it could be the jersey of our favorite sports team. Or the... <coughs> you know, the, the, the tour t-shirt for our favorite band. We identify with it. But by the same token, some people know whom to worship and realize that in worshiping the true God, his glory actually is shared with us. Not only are we made to worship Human beings are inherently liturgical. Liturgy is this public work of the church with ceremony and prayer. But in an ordinary way, we make up our own liturgies as human beings. You have your family customs. You sit here, and you wear this, and you say that, and this decoration goes in that corner, and everything has an expectation. Not out of superstition, but because you know that what's being done, what's being celebrated is so important that you want everything to, to be right. In ordinary ways, in, in unimportant ways, whether it be getting ready for a match, for a sports game, and people invent their own liturgies, I'm going to sit here. And then this is I'm going to be listening to this song, and I'm going to put on my socks, and I'm going to wear this, and then you're going to say that, or the, the, the ritual of coming onto the field or skating onto the rink in the same way. We invent our own liturgies. 
And so what happens today? What are we celebrating? What are we worshiping today? Well, we're, we're commemorating a birthday. We should ask ourselves, why? Why even celebrate a birthday? Did anything happen on that day? Did Jesus actually accomplish something? You could say, why not? Why don't we just celebrate the day when he was presented in the temple? Well, actually, we, we do. Or why don't we celebrate the day that he uh, was given his name and, and inscribed into the covenant of Abraham? Well, we do celebrate that as well. That's the next holy day of obligation next Sunday. Or why don't we celebrate his first, you know, first major childhood event? Why today? Why is our attention so focused on the day of his birth? Consider just what he did and didn't do. This was not the day when a great lesson was given. It's not the day when a great event even really took place. He became visible. He was already alive for nine months. If we want to celebrate the beginning of his life, we would make a big, big deal about the moment in which he was conceived and the word became flesh. Okay, well, we do also do that. That's the Annunciation. That's March 25th. What our Lord made possible today, on the day of his birth, 2,000-some years ago, in a manger in Bethlehem, was he made it possible for us to worship him. That's what began. The word was already flesh, but Mary's secret for nine months. Now the word made flesh, the face of God on earth, is visible. And what did the shepherds do? And eventually the wise men. They didn't come and bring to him their list of requests. I want this and this and this. And they can give me this and give me that and give me another thing. No, they just simply came to worship him. To adore him. To love him. The event in and of itself is part of that whole sequence of events that make possible something even more important. But this event is worth celebrating because it's precisely the moment when we could begin and when we do begin to worship him more truthfully. It comes automatically. We see the crash and we kneel down. Or when we pull out the pieces of the nativity scene at home, each one is an invitation to a little thought, a prayer, or just simply a meditation. Last night was my parents' wedding anniversary, but long before mom fell in love with dad, she fell in love with the church. And in explaining her conversion, one little element has always remained remarkable to me. Her observation that it was only in a Catholic church, as a young woman, that she would ever see a grown man on his knees in prayer. Some people have that habit. Some people have the habit of prayer. But on Christmas Day, everyone is drawn to automatically fall on their knees and adore him. We don't even need to be prompted. 
There's a beautiful little new feature we have here, the white and gold cushions around the altar rail. There's eminently practical at the traditional mass where communion is always received while one is kneeling on the tongue, not, not in the hands. But for all of us, it's an invitation to do continually what we all do automatically today, which is to come to worship, to come to adore. Even people who don't usually come to church, even people who say they get nothing out of coming to Mass, don't need too much prodding to come to Mass on Christmas. Part of that might be sentimentality, and part of it may be taking the path of least resistance, but I think part of it too is that on Christmas we have a natural instinct to just simply come and see, to come and adore, to come and worship. The reality is that that's what we always do in this sanctuary. It might be worth a a small examination of conscience then. What is it that I do? What's in my heart? What's going on in my life before I come in these doors? And also what's going on here and how do we do it? In what manner do we do it? Do Do we approach these sacred mysteries primarily simply to worship God, to offer love, to bring adoration? Do we actually think that we're coming here to bring gifts to him instead of coming to get something out of him? In a particular way, especially yesterday evening and last night at midnight and all this morning, it's obvious what, what is, what's the most beautiful thing we have to offer someone, what we say, how we say it, by opening our heart to them. And principally, that's in sacred music. So as much as the priests have put in long hours offering masses and hearing confessions, it's the music director and the choirs that have put in an incredible commitment so that what happens here is our offering up to God something beautiful, something lovely. So today then can be a reminder of that. And to always do that. In a particular way during the creed, when we usually bow profoundly at those words that refer to our Lord's incarnation by the Holy Spirit, he was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man, today we kneel down. That will take a prompt, and then we'll pause. In the traditional Roman rite for over a thousand years, that's done at every Mass when the creed is prayed, at every Sunday. There's a pause and a genuflection. Today, when we do that, allow it to move your heart to realize that besides worries and concerns and perceived needs, the one thing necessary is to love and adore and worship. At the end of our Lord's life, there were those who wanted to carry him away to make him king. And he wouldn't let them because he only would be satisfied with that which would actually give us eternal life. He is not satisfied unless we worship him as God. And so come, not just today, but every day, let us adore him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.